0: When I was uh, let's see now f- 16, seventeen years old, uh, one of the kids in our youth group, uh, one of my really good friends uh, got pregnant um, and it was something that like was very uh, interesting to me to watch what the church would do. Uh, I was kind of scared for them. I don't know. I came up in this sort of um, conservative church, and uh, it was clear to me what the church was going to think about this uh, girl who got pregnant, and uh, it was clear to me that everyone was going to sort of talk about this, and I was really worried that, you know, she was uh, part of a pretty significant family in the church, so like there they were on Sunday morning, and what everybody was going to be saying, hush, hush, kind of behind closed doors, everybody was going to be talking about, and I think it was like one of the first times in my life where I got a chance to see the church do something that was either unbelievably judgmental, right, and unfair, or something that was full of grace and full of mercy, and I just kind of like braced to see what was going to happen. I don't know if you've ever been in moments like that where you're like, I don't really know what this church is made of, what this church is all about, right? And so we had this 15, 16-year-old girl who got uh, pregnant, and I remember that Sunday, uh, our pastor got up in front of the church with her and her family and said, hey, here's what's going on. You know, uh, this was obviously something that was not planned and not something that they intended to do, but here we are now, and so we're going to do everything we can as a church to come alongside and support this family and support this girl who had made this choice. Uh, who, You know, and I, she got up in front of the church and she, you know, said, hey, this isn't what I intended to do, but here's where I'm at. And It was, like, amazing to watch the church then have permission to rally around her, right, instead of to judge her and kind of cut her off from the rest of the church. And I, I, to this day, will thank that pastor for doing that and having that moment in church because, for me, it showed that a church can come alongside people and with a community of people can overcome things that seem like they should derail whatever's going on in that church. And I remember thinking to myself, like, can he do this? Like, it feels like there are the rules to this. Like, who gets to decide what's okay and what's not okay? But to me, it felt like the okay thing, the best thing, would be to rally around. And so she had the baby. She eventually married uh, the guy that was in, involved in creating the baby, uh, the father. Uh, <laughs> words are, Yeah. And, and they had this marriage and, and more kids and, and things were great, right? The church rallied and they came around this young girl and it didn't do anything to rip. There weren't people talking about it behind the scenes because it was brought out into the open and it was treated with grace and everybody threw this incredible shower and it felt like the church rose to the occasion. And I remember thinking, like, would every church... Do that. Would every church find themselves in a situation where they would come around the person and the community would sort of lift them up out of the situation that they found themselves in? And I remember this being just a very important moment for me, even now as I get to lead a church, that like, hey, there's going to be times when there's going to be moments where your church is tested, right? And you have to respond with the kind of grace that a, a whole community can come around somebody and lift them up out of the situation that they're in. Right, and create a better way, a better path forward for them, with Jesus still center to the entire thing. And it wasn't like I feel like I remember somebody saying, "Well, if we if we condone this or whatever, if we have a, a shower for this this girl, like doesn't that say to all the teenagers that they can just go ahead and, and have have sex?" And we were like, "I was like, is that what it says?" Like I was like, "Hey, I'm a teenager. Like, is that is that what I don't think that's what it's saying? I think what we're saying is we care for and love and want to come around somebody and give them grace." And I was thinking about that this week as we were processing this. I, you know, today we're going to be talking about uh, our, our value that we are all about community and all about the community. And in reality, when we came up with our six, our five, no, I'm going to take food out of it, right? Our five values, it was almost like we had these two values. One was about community. One was about creating community with people. And one was that we were all about the community. And I, we kind of just sort of jammed them together in one value, just because I wanted six, really, and I just wanted it to be five, right? Like, I don't know if it was, like, the most strategic thing in the entire world or I had thought it all the way through. I just knew I wanted both of these values to be part of who we are and what we do. But the more we've lived with these values, the more I realized that actually that was, it was sort of, like, brilliant, almost like as if there's this cosmic presence in charge of everything guiding us and creating those first values, right? I mean, if you're into that. Uh, And as we kind of process through it, today I want to try to connect the two ideas, right? The idea that we are all about community, creating community here within the, the church and within the people of the church. But that's oftentimes where it goes bad for a church, right? They can be all about community and they can create a country club for all the people that they are servicing in their church and miss the idea that there should be some effect of this community Right, that it should leak out, that something should happen, something should change the world around us, right? Because of this community, that we're actually operating from a place of health and a place of strength when all of us are connected and we have community within the church, and then it reaches out and spills into the world and changes the world around us, right? That's and you're like, duh, that's what I always thought it meant. Yes, okay, great, you're smart, um, but I want to connect those dots. So I'm going to go to Galatians chapter six, verse one. Let's start here. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Okay, so I want to start just with this idea that in Galatians, I want to give you a little bit of history. We did do go through Galatians a couple years ago, so you may sort of remember or be familiar with the idea that Galatians is this letter that Paul wrote to this church that, that was begun. And Paul came in and he preached the gospel and people responded to it. And then right after he left, people came in, they started preaching a second gospel, saying, hey, that's great that you're a believer, but also you've got to jump through some hoops and become more Jewish to be saved. And so there was this group of people that were living by Paul's teachings, and there was this other group of people, they called them the Judaizers, because they were trying to sort of change everyone to be more Jewish. And there was this conflict that happened, and Paul spent five chapters here talking about what the gospel is, that it's, it's grace by faith, nothing else, Right? And then he talks about, in the chapter just before this, chapter 5, he talks about living by the Spirit and staying step in the Spirit, and he finishes with the fruit of the Spirit, right? And so he's kind of like helping them understand that this should lead to them living in a certain way that pleases God, but it's not based on rules or religion or jumping through hoops that make you more Jewish, right? But it's based on faith in Christ alone, okay? And then when he gets to this section, he starts with, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. So he talks about living in the Spirit, and then he talks about what happens if somebody's not living in the Spirit. Now, I just want to step back and say he starts this section with brothers and sisters. And I want you to understand that the church was always meant to be a family. Okay? So just back into this for a second and realize the church. Was always meant to be a family. One of the most dangerous things about the modern church is that you can go to the big box that has the fancy light show, and you can do that every single week, and you can slide in, and you can slide out, and you can never know another person. Right? In order to create community, you have to understand that you are part of a family, that there are There's a give and take here. So there's times that you receive as part of the family. There's times that you put your back into it as part of the family. There's times that people give you what it is that you need when you're part of a family. And there's times when you provide what other people need as part of a family. A church was always meant to be a family. In fact, one of the things that we believe in is continuing to plant more churches like we hope to, it's a, 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 an aspirational value at this point. We planted our first church in the first three years, but we didn't send anyone from this church to be part of that church. In the future, we'd like to send a part of our church to every time we church plant, we'd like to send 10, 20, 30 people from our church and send them to be a kind of a base for the next church that begins. Right? We want to be the kind of place that recreates itself. We don't ever want to get ourselves to be so big that you can't have community in the church. Philosophically, we're not looking to be thousands of people, right? And you're like, but I I want us to grow. Yeah, we want to grow. Stop. Well, let me just stop and be honest with you. We've had these conversations as staff like, hey, this room would function better if there were a couple more people in it, right? We would have a lot easier time filling some of the roles of uh, serving if we had a couple more people. Financially, things would be a little bit easier for us if we had a couple more people. But we're not sitting here trying to Grow our church to be thousands of people. That's not the goal. Our goal is to create community here and multiply ourselves out all over the place into places where, you know, the church doesn't exist or it's not doing a good job of reaching people. Like, that's our philosophy. And we look at this like this is a family. That Christ was first born among us. That he is a, an older brother, essentially, to us. That we are all brothers and sisters. We are all heirs to what Jesus Is, is, has as his rightful place, right? We are the same and we get to share in that inheritance uh, that he gets. And so when we start with brothers and sisters, when he Paul uses this language, it's on purpose. You should know people and they should know you. You think about it like this if, if it's possible for you to begin sinning in a certain way and to continue on sinning without everyone, anyone ever having a conversation with you about that sin you are not in community, right? If you have, you're part of a church and you don't know how to help the other people in the church, you don't know what's going on in their lives, you are not part of the community because being part of the community is like being part of a family. And if you're asking me simply, how do I get to be more involved? Pick up a chair, join a team, right? Work in kids ministry, join a small group. There's plenty of opportunities for you to get to know people and be part of what's going on, Become a member, right? Be part of that community of people. There's all kinds of opportunities for you to be part of a family. And that's why this brothers and sisters, I don't want to gloss over it because it's really, really important when you're creating community to understand that this is our goal from the outset. Our goal is not to cycle in as many people as possible every single weekend, right? It's not to have more than one service. It's not to fill the entire place. Those things will be fine. They'll be fine if they come. But what is really important for us is to connect every person that comes here to community. Which means, if you're not in a small group, if you're not serving somewhere, if you're not doing anything outside of coming on a Sunday morning, you're missing out on what it means to be part of community. You're missing out on our value of we're all about community. So he says, if someone is caught in a sin, those who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And he he outlines a, a basically a a, a situation here where somebody lives among the community and has a problem and the people who are living by the Spirit identify this and restore the person gently. This is the same kind of concept that Jesus gives us when he tells us that we should go and, and deal with people when we have issues with them. He says, first go to the person right, and try to work it out, just you and them. Try to do it quietly. Try not to embarrass the person. Try not to put their dirty laundry out for everyone to see. Right? Try to go and, and handle it. And then what does he say? Like, If the person won't listen to you, and if they're going to be obstinate, and if they're not going to you know, deal with the, the problem that you have, then it says, hey, bring some other people with you. Go into that community. Find some other people who are living by the Spirit. Bring them with you to help restore this person. Your goal is restoration of them. Your goal is the best situation for them. This isn't even really about you. It's about them. right? And you're trying to go and restore this person. And I think the church has done this really terribly. Oftentimes, I think we're afraid to tell people what's actually going on in our lives because we know what will happen. We kind of know. We know. People will judge us. We'll feel weird about it. Things will be weird. And then we'll move on to another church. And we have to have enough community to be able to share what's really happening in our lives. Embarrassing things. Difficult things. Sometimes things that aren't even sin, but just things that we are getting crushed by. He'll get to that in a minute. But he says, But watch yourselves that you may also be tempted. Because this is... Based in humility, it's based in the idea that it could be you today and me tomorrow. That you're struggling with something right now, we're going to work on this and help, right? But it could be me tomorrow and you coming to me and helping me work through something that's going on in my own life. So he says, uh, verse two: carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So he basically says that we should be carrying each other's burdens. And Jesus talks about burdens quite a bit, right? What does he say? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. This idea of what burdens us, I think in this situation, the way that this reads and the way that this translates, is like the pressure of something that is overwhelming. right? So this is a big thing. He says when somebody in the community is dealing with something huge, something that they can't handle on their own, then it's up to the rest of the church to come around that person and carry that burden for them, carry that burden with them. right? This is the core to what it means to be part of a community. And I want you to know the church was always meant to take care of one another. Okay, So this idea of carrying each other's burdens, this, this word, each other, and we also see this uh, read as one another throughout Scripture, is the idea of what it, what it looks like for the church to... Be in connection with itself. So when Jesus tells us, hey, a new commandment I give you that you would love one another, and then we see all throughout Scripture this one another language, there's like 50 of these uh, things that Paul uses, basically different ways to interact with one another. It's always referring to people within the church interacting with one another in the church. He's not saying carry the burdens of the entire world. He's saying carry the burdens of the people who you are in community with. He's saying the world will know that you are my believers by the way that you love the people who are connected to you in the community of the church that you're connected to, right? So carrying each other's burdens is what we are called to do as a community. It should be the thing that we're focused on doing, right? And we have to start there and say the church was always meant to take care of one another, You can go and look at all the different one another's out there, right? You can see them all throughout Scripture, all the things that God calls us to do for each other. But one of them is to carry each other's burdens. And if the church isn't doing this, then we're not doing the rest of the stuff we're supposed to do. It starts here, because when we build a strong community here, and we take care of each other, right? Then that spills out into the world. And you've probably been... On both sides of this equation, if you're in a small group, I'm sure you have. Right? I'm sure you have made a meal for somebody who's going through a difficult time, and you probably received a meal when you were going through a difficult time. People, Christians love to give people food. Uh, we last experienced this when we had our issues in March and April. Uh, we had food for days. I can actually tell you who the best cooks are in the church. It's pretty great. <laughs> you guys want a rating, you know, uh, I, I thought about this later, you know, like there should be like uh, preferred slots for uh, certain specific people. Uh, no, I mean, this is what we do. We, we carry the burden, you know, I know last year um, I was kind of overwhelmed by this one. I, there was a, a family that lost a baby, you know, and I mean, that's not an uncommon thing, you know, for people who are trying to have children and it happens And there was a group of women who came alongside and created this little gift basket and like just on the door the day next day, like an instant response to something that was heavy and going on just to say, hey, we love you. We're there. We care about you. There isn't much we can do in this moment except for to help you understand that we care about you right? My fridge was full for like two months after we had that surgery. You Maybe you've been on one end or the other, but I want you to know the burden that we're talking about here is an overwhelming heavy burden. There's something about a situation that you just feel like underwhelmed to do anything about. You feel like it's not even something that you can kind of help, but you just go over there and you throw your weight into it. You just do whatever you can to make sure the other person knows that you're there, you're connected, and you'll do anything you can to help, right? Uh, and so that's what Uh, Paul's talking about here he's like we should be carrying each other's burdens and creating community and the way that happens for us is through small groups So if you're like hey, I want to know some people or be connected and you're not part of a small group You need to join a small group We can't know what's going on in your life very well if you aren't connected with anybody else in this church in our small groups is where we find all those needs and take care of people Right? It is the vehicle that we use to care for one another. And yes, the church can still sometimes step in and help whenever we find out about the need that's out there when somebody's struggling with something. We have staff that can step in and help. We have a DLT that can step in and help. We have resources. We have money set aside to step in and help with, for people that are struggling with stuff. But we can't give you ongoing support unless you're in a small group. That's why these are so important to us. We actually don't reach the world unless our small groups are healthy and strong and caring for one another. That's how we catch when people are struggling. That's how we find the needs that are out there. We don't expect you to broadcast it in front of the whole church. We expect you to talk about it in your small groups. And we expect your small groups to step in and fill those needs and to let us know when the church can step in and fill those needs. Right? So we carry each other's burdens. And in that way, we fulfill the law of Christ. Not the law of religion. Right? Not the entire first five books of the Old Testament. Not the, not the law that the Jews were living under. We fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus, before he went to the cross with his disciples, said, Hey, a new command I give you that you would love one another as I have loved you. That's what it looks like for us to be doing community the way that Christ has called us to do it. And it's mostly done, mostly done in small groups here. So if you're like, hey, I'm just not really connected or hey, this tough thing's happening in my life and no one paid attention, we need you to take a step into community. It's going to make all that much easier uh, and allow us to step into those needs. Verse 3 says, If anyone thinks they are something when they are nothing, they deceive themselves. Sorry, I just want to make sure I get the right thing. Uh, Each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each of you should carry your own load, and you 're like, "What is this about? We just talked about how we would carry the other people 's burdens, and now you 're telling me I have to carry my own load. Well, this is kind of a, a difficult thing for us to process because the word for burden and the word for load are very different. right The word for burden is an overwhelming thing that will crush me right it's a it's, it's something that happened in my life that's so big, I just feel like out of control like feel like there's nothing I can do about it. It feels like it's a rock I can't move. And it's just sitting on top of my chest. Like it's got this overbearing weight that's just killing me, right? This idea of carrying your own load is actually more like if we were to go on a hike. And I would prefer a flat hike, right? Just a pretty walk. But if we were to go on a hike and we all had our own backpacks, right? Like I have my backpack, which has as little in it as possible. And you have your backpack, Like, I know people who are, like, Boy Scouts, and they carry, like, a full-size one that goes, like, all the way, and it has, like, structure to it, and you can, like, strap a toddler in it. I'm like, no, dude, you got legs. You can walk. Like, that's how it works in our family. But I I feel like every time I try to take the smallest backpack, right, everybody in my family will take their water bottles and throw them in my bag. Has anyone ever felt this? Yep. Yep. And then I'll basically halfway through be like, oh, this is really hurting my feet. And then I'll give the bag to my wife and she'll carry it the rest of the way. That's the move, by the way. Okay. Listen, listen. You give me a hard time when you have five toes, okay? But this is saying, right, everybody has their own backpack and everybody needs to carry their own backpack for all this to work, okay? Okay. So just hang hang with me for a second. You bring with you baggage from your world that I can't carry for you, even if I want to. You grew up with a family. You grew up with different circumstances. You have issues that you deal with that maybe are different than the ones I deal with. I cannot do things for you that you need to do for yourself. Okay? Okay. Paul's talking about this, and he says, in order for us to be able to lift the burden off of people when they're dealing with their most difficult moments, we have to be healthy enough to carry our own load so then we can sacrifice a little bit more for someone else. He basically says, in order for me to help lift the rock off of the person's chest, I have to be able to carry the load that's mine, the one that I can't give away. I can't ask you to do things for me that only I can do for myself, right? And sometimes people come in with a whole lot of baggage. Like, they got stuff that they're carrying that's so heavy, right, that a hike isn't even really a good idea for them. Like, they're going step by step trying to shed things, trying to work on getting rid of things. Like, it's a process to become who God has called us to be and to get that backpack correctly set for the hike ahead of you is a whole process for some people. Like they carry in with them baggage from their past, from their family, from their mental health state, from their physical, the, the physical situation of their body, from all kinds of things that they're carrying on themselves for proclivities to certain sins, for, you know, like their, their own issues and so those are things they've got to eventually deal with over time. And that's what it looks like to be made into the image of God and to become the person that God has called us to be. There's a process of discipleship where we get the backpack to a place where we can carry the load because it's our load that we have to carry for ourselves. And when we get to a healthy place, then we can help pick up some of the slack for other people who are struggling and carrying a heavy amount. Right? This is sort of like you can't unload certain things, and so we've got to figure out how to get rid of certain things And work through certain things and become healthier in certain areas so we can carry our own load. But I want you to see the progression here. And I'm going to show it to you here in the scripture in just a second. But it looks like someone becoming a Christian and getting their load under control. Working out their stuff. Trying to figure out what their backpack needs to hold and getting rid of stuff. And then them coming together in community and the community then working on some of the bigger areas that we see when people struggle with things, when they have difficult moments, really hard and heavy, heavy things. And we all come together to kind of work on that. And then that sort of spills out into the community. And the community gets changed when a church is healthy enough to draw strength from the communities that they have to be able to affect the world around them. Okay? And so when we go out and do sort of the community resource fair, Right? And we have a hundred volunteers, literally every person in this church, right, drawing strength from each other, and then going out and making a difference in the world around us. It, that's what it looks like. It's like we took the, the, uh, the strength that came out of the communities that we built, and then we're able to affect the world around us because of that. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create this core of healthy, discipled people who can carry the load for themselves and then put their back into carrying it for other people and watching that change the world around them. Look look what uh, the scripture says here. It says, uh, verse 6, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction from the word should share all good things with their instructors. He's just admonishing them to share the the stories of what's going on in their lives, the health, the the change with the people who are investing in them. He says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps... What he sows. These seem to be a little disjointed, but they're not. Just kind of stick with it. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh, they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And then he says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He says, this harvest principle is still at work. If you invest in something, you will reap a harvest, whether it is good or bad. If you invest in Evil, you will reap a harvest of evil. If you invest in laziness, you will reap a harvest of laziness. There will be no harvest. right? But he says, if we do good, we will also reap a harvest of good. Don't let us become weary in doing good, for at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as if you were closing the whole section, saying, okay, we talked about carrying each other's burdens, we talked about you carrying the burdens that you have to carry in your backpack. But He says, therefore, the reason we're doing this, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Right? Our community should affect the world around us. That's core to who we are. We're not just here for ourselves. We are the church and we exist for the world. I don't know if I can say it any more succinctly. We do not exist for you. We all exist for the world. You are the church. You are it. Your community is what it looks like. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. That's what we're trying to do. And then he says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And you're like, hold on a minute. We're not giving preferential treatment to believers and forgetting about the world. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if we want to do good to all people, it starts with us focusing on doing good to each other. That's what community is. And I just have to remind you, every year at least, that if you're not in a small group, if you're not serving, right, you're missing out on what this church is about. We are here for each other. That's how we care for the people in this church. And then that spills into the world. What we're really trying to do is good for all people. What we're really trying to do is give away 10 pallets of produce, and connect people with all kinds of resources that they need, and work alongside of our local partners. That's what we're trying to do. But we know that that's built from community. So when we say that we're all about community and all about the community, those two things are connected. That when we have strong, healthy individuals and strong, healthy communities, small groups, and when our church then spills out into the world around us, we make a difference in the world around us. And I think what's interesting is that we're getting to a point now where we're starting to see that sort of snowball. As in the community really wasn't ready to trust any church that came in and decided they wanted to do something five years ago when they had no no prior experience with them. When we sat down with Ralph Rita the first time, they kind of looked at us like, hey, we've had this conversation with many churches before and they've promised us all kinds of things and then not shown up and done the things that they told us that they were going to do. So what did we do? We did all the things we promised that we were going to do. And then we expanded our our relationship with them and expanded it again and expanded it again. I think we're just getting to the point right now where the average person in the community might potentially know who we are and trust us in a way that is different from the other churches here because we've proven ourselves year after year after year after year. And it may take us more time to get to the place where the average person knows who we are and trust us, but we're going to continue to do that and build from that because it's one of our values. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, you know, when you're on a, an airplane, what, what do they tell you about the oxygen masks? Right, you, got a, you got a toddler sitting next to you. Yeah. They say, hey, put your mask on first, right? And then, take care of the people around you. And that's essentially what we're talking about here. If, you're not in a group, you haven't put your mask on. If you're not serving somewhere, you you haven't put your mask on. You can go out and you can serve the community around and we can try to do something all together and make a difference. But if we're not drawing from a deep well of community, I don't know if it's the right idea. Like, We need to put our mask on first and make sure that we're in community and that we're healthy and that we're carrying our backpack before we can put our back into helping the world around us. So it's put your mask on first and then try to help those who are around you. That's what it looks like. That's what our values are. All right, let me, let me pray and close our time here. Jesus, would you uh, just allow us to walk that fine line between being focused on ourselves and focused on the world around us? And I know, God, that we will turn inward given the opportunity. But God, would you help us to see that our communities that we have, our, our small groups, our, our connections with one another, is the thing that connects us to the world around us. Would you help us, God, to see that there are moments that test the strength of a church? And God, that we are called to be strong in our community so that we can meet those, those tests. I pray, God, that our our reputation among the people that live in this area would be of the kind of church that sacrifices and loves people no matter what. And God, would you just continue to build community in these groups so that we can go out and change the world uh, for you. We ask that you would just move in our hearts as we think about how we fit here. And God, would you use us in spite of ourselves sometimes, in spite of our own obstinance. God, would you just continue to change us through community. In Jesus' name, amen.